listening to The Remix Baby, a podcast about fertility, family, and genetics. I'm Jana Rupnow, a fertility counselor and author of Three Makes Baby. Welcome to the show. Hey everyone, welcome back. Today I have a very special guest on the show, Tia Jendusa. Did I say your last name right? That's correct. Yep. Soft G. <laughs> Sweet. And I'm really, really excited to have you here, Tia, because I've been following you on social media and what you have to say is so important. And there's so many women and men out there who need support, the support that you're offering. So I'm going to let you just kind of tell everyone a little bit about your platform and what support you offer. Sure. My name is Tia Jindusa. I'm heavy on the social media aspect in terms of Instagram. A lot of the stuff that I share day to day is definitely on that platform. I also share on Facebook as well. And I've got a webpage that we can talk about a little bit later. But in a nutshell, over the past about eight years, my journey has evolved from that of a tra- traditional TTC timeline where my husband and I were having problems conceiving, sort of went through the ringer with all of our options for biological aspects. Boundaries were always really important for us. So we decided that biological was our go-to. Um, we always had these dreams of what our children would be like if, with the combination of our DNA. So that was always sort of key when it came to trying everything that we were going through. <laughs> yeah, trying to get pregnant and, and wanting to, yeah, grow your family. Yeah, it was just, you know, one thing after another, setback after setback, failure after failure. We Yeah, I read your story a little bit on your Instagram profile and you do such a great job of showing that timeline in a very like user-friendly visual way and story way. I felt like I could get your story so quickly and by reading it and going, oh my gosh, you went through a lot, a lot. I, yeah, you know, I guess, you know, I always feel like that when you sort of give your chronological background, it can sort of be boring because I feel like it's sort of like reading off a resume, right? It's like, it's like, who <laughs> yeah, cares how much stuff we tried at the end of the day, what came down to it. And there was a big turning point was there, we felt like we had exhausted all of our boundaries within trying for our own biological with me caring. I suffered a few miscarriages. One was with my son. He was a late first trimester miscarriage. Um, we had really bad genetic issues. My husband and I actually found out we were both carriers of a genetic disorder called the MCAD, that's MCAD. And in that time, that was what led us to do IVF in the first place. So we did all the genetic testing that goes with IVF. I have huge hormonal issues. I have poor egg quality. I basically am in menopause at this point. So after going through the ringer for what seemed like about five and a half years, multiple IVF transfers, multiple IVF retrievals, it was just like nothing was working. And at the end of the day, my husband and I sort of had like a nice heart to heart and just said, you know what, this is it for us. This is, this is, this is sort of the line in the sand and we've, we've exhausted everything that we could possibly try. So reluctantly, we chose to fold. I mean, and there, and there sort of is a tipping point with that, right? You know, there is sort of a sort of a shame-induced emotion that comes with, well, what do I do next? Do I just stop? You know, do I quit? Is quitting okay? Like, are people going to think that I'm weak? Or do I just keep going with things that maybe I'm not really wholeheartedly into, whether that's adoption or, or any other sort of alternatives, right? So 
I think that was sort of like the big shift in the last couple of years is trying to redefine who I am if I'm not a mother because society typically tells us we should be moms as women. That is like the ultimate, you know, pinnacle in terms of like making it as a woman because that's what we're supposed to do. Yeah. And I think that the fact that you're supporting women and men, men that don't have that, that aren't living that role that society tells us that we're supposed to be, and you're supporting them, giving them permission, giving them encouragement, making them feel like, Hey, this is okay. You don't have to swallow this societal script, which, you know, I say in the work I do too, is like, we've swallowed so many of these scripts, you know? Right. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It doesn't mean that that's what's real for us or what is fulfilling for our lives. So, and even though that is something you wanted, you know, you didn't feel comfortable moving on to other other choices because they're not easy choices. They're really so hard. No. And you know, I kind of felt like it was like starting from square one. I mean, ultimately it just seemed like we'd already given away five to six years of what some people typically can literally knock out in one period, one, one 28 day cycle, you know? So we've already given our, our lives over to putting in our best effort for five years, five and a half years going on six, you know? And it's like, okay. I mean, adoption is beautiful. Surrogacy is beautiful. Donors are incredible. There are so many valid and worthy options that everyone can either continue to do or switch gears and try or start in the first place. But for us, it sort of felt felt like we were starting from square one, you know, like I started, I started trying to conceive when I was 20, 28, you know, at that point I was 34 and it's like, okay, well, what if it takes another five years to get here? And then what, like, what if it doesn't? Are we going to put our lives on hold for like another five years just for this one part of our lives? And I, and I think that that's sort of key, right? Is like, I kept believing that like the baby was such a big monumental thing in my life. It almost trumped everything else. It sort of made everything else seem silly. Career and my marriage and everything else was sort of pushed to the side. So I felt like my mind was just totally messed up with that. Like that thinking was incorrect. Mm-hmm. Like the baby isn't the monumental thing in our lives. It's just a bonus. Yeah. It's just a, a, a great aspect in addition to our lives ourselves. Yeah. And you're having to override some really powerful instincts that, you know, that's just kind of in the instincts for a woman to have a baby, the instincts in a man to provide. Yeah. You know, they can be in conflict with each other sometimes, even, you know, when the guy's like, we don't have enough money yet to have a baby. And the woman's like, I just want a baby. But these are instincts that run deep. And so I love that you rose above those and you kind of were able to look beyond that and go, well, these, these are powerful instincts and they're taking over right now and they're consuming my life. But that doesn't mean that, that I can't live a different life that's beyond my instincts. Yeah. You know, and so that's, I think that's, that's really cool. And when I hear you talk, I hear you voicing things that I know so many couples, especially older couples have been through and you know what, they've never been able to say it to a person. I can, I can count on, on one, one, on one hand, just in the past few years, couples I've met that's, that are now my age that never had children and tried yeah, and never were able to go into detail about it, talk about what they went through, or grieve what they went through. It was sort of like they would have to go in their daily social lives, explaining it like this. You know, well, why don't you have kids? Well, you know, we just don't. 
There were, because they never felt comfortable saying, well, we tried and we couldn't. And so they're in this place now where there's still pain there. Yeah. I've met so many couples over the years. I've met even a couple in their 60s that could never have children and thought about adoption, but just never did. And um, it was funny. He was learning to ice skate for the first time at 60 years old. I thought he was the cool. He's like my role model, but they had never talked about it. He's like, you know, you're the first one I've ever talked about this. How amazing is that? There's so much shame and, and like I was reading something sort of interesting that between now and like how conversations were back in like the 70s and the 80s, the, the topic yeah. of conversation 30 to 40 years ago was not geared towards your children. It was not focused on, do you have kids as the first question? It was not like that. It has evolved mm-hmm. to become this like central state. And if you don't have a response to that currently, you are made to believe that like your life is silly or frivolous or selfish or any, I mean, enter any other word that like sounds demeaning or demoralizing, which Mm. is total BS, Mm. you know? Yeah. (laughs) It's like, forget the fact that I went to college. Forget the fact that my husband and I have a really kick-ass marriage. Yeah, y'all do. I can see in your videos. (laughs) I mean, it's like, it's like, forget all that. If you don't have the baby, then you know, like just go, go sweep your ass under the rug. Yeah. Yeah. It's not true, but it is such a deeply ingrained in our society. And it takes people like us to go, wait a minute, think about it. It doesn't, Mm -hmm. that doesn't make sense. Yeah. For people to just have awareness of it. It's like an automatic response or automatic thinking. It's like we're all, people are kind of just, again, swallowed this script and they Mm -hmm. didn't realize they swallowed it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I swallowed it, of course. Yeah. This is what you do. You get married, you have kids, you know, and then I guess I just started questioning that and sort of feeling like there have got to be more people in my arena. There has to be. I can't be the only one. But the thing is, is I couldn't find anyone in my arena. Not not easily anyways. It was just so shameful. Yeah. Nobody came out and never talked about it. So the whole mm. like evolution of where I started to where I currently am now is, well, if I can't find the right arena, I'm just going to make one. <laughs> that is so awesome. Yes. <laughs> You probably have no idea how many people behind the scenes are watching you and have never interacted with you once because, you know, they're, they're too introverted or, or reserved, but that you're helping them to heal. I mean, I, I get messages a lot, uh, private messages of just people that reach out that are like, I've never, I've never had someone to talk to, or I've never been able to reach out or say anything. And I, I, I appreciate every single one of those. Yeah. And that's what I love about when I was kind of scouring your, your website, I saw that you or offer this coaching where you do it's on Saturday morning, coffee and group coaching, and you get together with other folks that are, you know, similar, like-minded and it's like offering almost a support group for people that have, you know, okay, let me ask you this. I'm going to back up and interrupt myself. Do you say try child free or childless? And what do you feel about the difference between those two words? Because I got in trouble once. I posted child-free and somebody said, it's, we are not child-free by choice. So that's an insensitive thing to say. And I actually, I was trying to be sensitive because I thought, why child-less doesn't mean you have anything less. So I thought child-free was more sensitive. And then I got in trouble for that. Well, <laughs> so, you know. I, I don't know. I, I think that, I think honestly, these days, I feel like no matter what you say, you're going to get in trouble with somebody. <laughs> it's true. I know. I know. But I did want to ask you, cause I, I totally respect what you say. <laughs> I totally think that there are, I, I've heard both. I've heard, I've heard child-free. I, I say child-free after infertility because I'm not child-free by, 
it's weird, choice. right? It's okay. like child-free by mm-hmm. choice means you made the choice from the get-go. You never tried to conceive. You never okay. any sort of treatment or anything. You don't even know if you're infertile or not. Okay, that makes sense. I'm glad you clarified that. Yeah. But mm-hmm. in a way, I am child-free by choice after infertility. It's just how many words do we really need to use to define it, right? <laughs> like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> we didn't want to have to use a new acronym for that. Yeah, you know? <laughs> and I've, I've had people say child full after infertility. I've heard child less by circumstance or okay. non-mom or, you know, I mean, there's, I, I think however you want to define it that gives okay. power back into your arena, then that's, then that's what it is. So ask the person what they prefer and maybe just that's the way to be the be- the most sensitive to it is to say, you know, Hey, what works for you? Yeah. Like, not that we have to label p- people, but this was just a hashtag is all, all it was on social media. So yeah, the, but that, so that being said, you offer this space for, for people that have gone through the process of wanting to have children and then, you know, aren't living without children now to come together, talk, share, support. I love that you do it with coffee. I love coffee. So (laughs) tell me more about that. Yeah. You know, the thing is, is the arena is not localized to like, I mean, perhaps there are, but it's just easier and more efficient to get together via, you know, Zoom connections, online group meetings, like that. So, so in in today's technology, I just, that's what I do. Is it face-to-face, like you can see each other? In the group coaching, we do. We do all log on. We can see each other's faces. So it's kind of nice to see like the emotions that go behind everything that we're sort of working through together, right? And so the group coaching just meets once a month. Um, It's like Saturday mornings. Like I said, it's totally casual. We all show up in our PJs and coffee. And the biggest thing is we sort of, we just started this year. So January was our first meeting. We actually have one coming up and it's always about the first um, Saturday of the month. But the goal is to just sort of find your crowd, right? Like it's just, it seems like infertility has its own like you know, community, but the the separation of the child-free after infertility movement is sort of scattered. So to be able to find that support um, and connection together and understand that like our problems are unique to us and how can we work through them together to sort of break through roadblocks and confusion and worry and doubt and fear together to sort of live these better, bigger lives that we now have the capability of doing if we want to do it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think just having that support for each other, knowing other people in the same situation, it just it, may, it makes all the world a difference. And then beyond that, if I um, if I if I feel like you know these people are telling me, oh, you know, I really want to just work with you privately, then then I I take calls one on one. You know, I I take calls that are you know, sort of hone in on like everybody's specific issue. Cause sometimes people don't want to talk in a group setting. Sometimes people will just want to work with me solo. And then I have those opportunities as well. I'm just, I'm trying to just yeah. create opportunities to give back to the child-free people and give them voices and make them feel like they are so much more powerful than they're giving themselves credit for. So. Oh, I love that. Empower them. Yeah. And I imagine a big piece of the work that you introduce to people involves grieving and letting, you know, grieving and letting go of, you know, the past and letting go of the dreams that you had and, and welcoming in the new, the new dreams for your life. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
mean, it's funny because, um, well, I guess it's not funny, but I, I think everything's funny to an extent. So <laughs> I've got sort of a twisted sense of humor, but um, there is a death, there is a death of a dream um, that you sort of have to work through. And for that aspect of it, when you decide, when you decide that you're no longer going to pursue treatment. Um, it's not like you just like turn your back and walk the other way, like power stomping, like a diva. It's not like that at all. It's like, holy, <laughs> yeah. it's like, holy crap, what did I get myself into? Like, where do I go from here? I was so accustomed to cycling and going through treatments or talking about infertility and talking about all of these problems that I have and like hoping and wishing every you know month that this is my time. And now that's not a thing anymore. And whether mm-hmm. you're a hundred percent on board with that mentally or not is definitely, there's a spectrum to that, right? So there's a spectrum yeah. of muck, like, I think this is where I need to go, but I just don't know how to get there. For me, therapy was huge for that aspect of it because yeah. it sort of helped redig up my past and and feel all those feelings, all those really gross, uneasy feelings that we don't actually want to feel. We just want to bury them down deep. But they're oh, yeah. in order to move forward and in order to like make peace with your past, to be able to neutralize your thoughts to move forward with goal setting that is different from child full living, you have to you have to let that go. And that and that includes the hope for babies, right? Did you hope for a while after you, oh, yeah. after you decided? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. There was like a good year of like it was like I would make progress and then I would fall fall back what seemed like back to the beginning or I'd make a few steps mm-hmm. forward, fall step back. I mean, it's it's just like how they say healing isn't linear, right? Like That's I knew true, I was true, making yeah. progress. I knew I was getting more clarity, but but grief is ever present. Grief episodes came up. I would get angry. I would feel like this isn't fair. Why do I have to do all this hard work? Why do, you know, why me? So yeah, I just sort of you know, one day at a time, I wrote a lot of stuff down. I definitely kept track of the good days in a journal so that mm-hmm. when my, when confusion would set in about, you know, how long had it been since I was happy or how long had it been since the last grief episode, I could sort mm-hmm. of look back and say, oh, it's actually been two months when the last time was, you know, wow. a month or a week or whatever. So you could see that there was like tangible progress. Oh, that's nice to see. Yeah. That's such a great idea because when you can see that you're making progress, it keeps encouraging you. You know, you'll be encouraged to. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. And I'm definitely all about goal setting and, and, and sort of like follow through with a lot of things. So it, it just, it's sort of aligned with my, my, my way of thinking. And I, whenever I'm talking to people, whether they're child free or not, it's always like, okay, well, how can we make this massive confusion into like steps, right? Steps that you mm-hmm. can actually visualize and see and, and, and reach the next milestone versus, you know, how do I get from A to Z? Because A to Z is terrifying, right? Too far. So. Wait, yes. <laughs> You'll get buried under that. Yeah. Those thoughts. Yeah. It's too much, too much to take on. That's, that's so great. I love that you help people break that down. Yeah. And I just, when I was watching your videos, I was cracking up for one. I I got to watch your whole LOLs on your stories on Instagram. Oh my God, that's funny. Because I was, I know, and I was, as I was riding, I was riding on the bike and I just, I, I watched the whole thing and it made me laugh and it made the, I think I was 16 minutes into my workout before I realized that, you know, the time had passed because I was so entertained. So is there a way you can do another 16 minutes of funnies for me? I'm kidding. I know, isn't that funny? So those are, those 
are all just those like 15, those are, those are those like 15 second oh story gosh, highlights so on funny. Instagram that have been saved literally yeah. over the last like three years. So <laughs> Instagram only allows me to save a hundred of them at a time. So I get sad oh, I I, when I add more of them. I'm like, oh, I have to delete the old ones. You know? Oh man, <laughs> They're great. They're great. And I loved meeting your dog. Is it Burn? Bernie? Yep. It's Burn. Yeah. My English oh, bulldog. Yeah. He's the best. You know, it's, you know, it, Something else sort of peculiar about women that I meet in the child-free arena, there's a lot of bulldogs in the community. Oh, interesting. (laughs) It's so interesting. It's almost like, you know, because bulldogs are are, are a needy breed. Oh, are they? Okay. Oh, my gosh, yes. They are the divas of the dog world. They they require (laughs) constant maintenance, upkeep. You got to clean them out all the time. I mean, they want constant attention. They're they're like a little toddler. So in a way, it's sort of like we get to nurture in a different (laughs) in a different different arena. Oh, dogs are the best. Absolutely. I I just I love dogs, and I love the one where you were going over his papers. It was so cute because it was like you were going through a box of his stuff, his mm-hmm. baby stuff, and yeah. then you're like, "And here's his certificate when we brought you home, and here's the certificate when we neutered you." And then you you span over to hit look on his face, and it's just like, "Did you?" It's like he understands exactly what you're saying. I know so they have such good emotions. They have big emotions. They they oh they're happy. Goodness. They're sad. They're not like a typical dog. I swear. So we're we're a bulldog family for life. Oh, that's awesome. Well, and that's what I was going to ask you. Is you know I, I have to assume it's true that you use humor a lot to cope with you know with the lost dream and with the the moving forward in your life. That's got to play a big role. I assume. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I've laughed at funerals before. I mean, I I just, I don't take, I, I do my best and this is almost second nature, but I really don't take situations that seriously. Like I definitely get worried and worked up and I, I have, you know, my bouts of anxiety and rage and all the other emotions that come with it. But I, I feel like everything is hilarious, like can be hilarious. Like infertility became very hilarious to me. Like, of course, we're going to fail. Like, of course, we're going to not have the egg retrievals we hoped about. Like, of course, of course, I'm going to end up it's like an ironic hilarity to me. Like, of course, I'm going to end up child free. Of course, I'm going to be the one to be the loud, you know, platinum blonde beacon of the child free community. Like, of course, like, it's just, it's just funny to me. Like, yeah, like who else is going to do it? Right. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, Mark and I, Mark and I, my husband, we just, we joke around constantly. I swear we have like the brains of like 13 year old boys. Like, we point out things in nature that look like, you know, penises to each other all the time. And, and, uh, you know, it's just, you have a lot of fun. That's for sure. Yeah. 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 You can't take life too seriously. You know, at the end of the day, it's like, uh, so. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, um, I use the Enneagram a lot in my work. And so I'm just thinking, I'm wondering if you and both have a lot of seven in you. You're the enthusiast on the Enneagram. Have mm-hmm. you ever taken it? Yeah, I'm an I'm an eight wing seven. So okay, I was gonna say I was gonna guess seven wing eight because you yeah. lead with the you lead with the humor, but the you definitely have that strength of the eight, the boss for sure. It's interesting that you said that. So I lead with humor when it comes to social settings, but when it comes to business stuff, I am a hardcore eight. I'm like, I want to win. We're going to kick ass. Like, this is how we're going to do it. (laughs) I want to be in control. And my husband is a three wing two. So he's, Oh, he must have a lot of seven though as well. Yeah. He's always, he's like a visionary. He's like, (laughs) 
he's always dreaming up like the next massive oversized adventure that we're going to do. And then I have to figure out how to like fund it, you know? So yeah. he's like the dreamer <laughs> yeah. and I'm the real realizer, whatever the word is. Yeah. So totally get that combination. Yeah. Yes, I do. That's awesome. Well that, yeah. And I think I, I was cracking up to it. Your, your post of uh, wearing goggles to cut onions. Cause I also wear goggles to cut onions. <laughs> I don't know how many times my husband's come in and I've looked at me and just busted on the floor laughing because he didn't expect to, me to look over and have, you know, ski goggles on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I just bought a slap chop. You remember those from like the, the infomercials? No, I don't. That fixed the goggle situation. So. Okay, well, I need to get this. What is this for onion cutting? Or what? Yeah, it's just, it's like a dicer. It's like a manual dicer. So I think you can just, oh. break, you know, so. It, it just <laughs> still doesn't get you? I mean, as soon as the aroma hits my eyes, it makes me cry. No, it, it's like contained in like a little oh. plastic thing while it's chopping. So you just go straight from that into like the pan. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no more goggles needed. <laughs> How funny. Well, I, you know, I just, is there anything that, you know, you would share with someone listening right now that's maybe on the fence, that's right in that point where they are like, I can't go on anymore with treatment. I don't want to adopt. I don't want to use a donor or surrogate. What would you advise them and say, or say to them to get through these next few months, years, whatever, how long it takes for them to maybe get to that decision or just be comfortable with it and say, it's okay. So yeah. So there are two parts in your, within like your emotions and, and your body that are sort of like working against each other at this point. And that's why it becomes so confusing. So mm. your brain, your brain is, 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 is like the one that's on autopilot, right? Like it's the one that it's used to you, you know, trying to conceive in whatever capacity that is, whether it's cycling or going through treatment or whatever, it's going to want to keep you on like the straight and narrow, even if it's detrimental to like your mental like health or your well-being in general. So it's what you're fighting against when your heart starts to take over and is like, I can't do this anymore. I don't feel good. I don't want to do this. I'm not being pulled in the right direction. Focusing in on your heart and letting it guide you, even though it seems counterproductive to what you've been doing is sort of what helps take the initiative from what you were doing to what you are doing or what you will be doing. I've yeah. always, I've always noticed the whole, like your gut reaction or follow your gut or however you want to call it, your heart, your gut, like your intuition is what is mm -hmm. going to pull you in the right direction. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. And you know, what I find in when I work with people is that a lot of times the reason they can't, they've lost sight of that is that they have become so anxious and in their head that they've cut off from their body, almost like you can see shallow breathing happening. And there's a lot of headaches and head, you know, heaviness because they've been in thinking mode for so long. Think, 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 think my way through this, get, yep. you know, we, that they've lost contact. So I'll have them drop into their body and just do some deep breathing and try to get back in connection with their intuition because they've lost connection with it. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like, you don't, it's like, you don't even trust yourself anymore. You're just looking yeah. for outside, you know, that's why, that's why we always feel like we can't walk away is because, well, what would everybody else think? Right. Like, but yeah. the reality is, yeah. is, is what do you think? It's, it's not their life. It's yours. If you've exhausted all your boundaries, move on, you know, move on. Yeah. Were your family members supportive or did they put pressure on you as well? And do you kind of get into that at all with? Well, during treatment, I think a lot of my family members were 
overly positive for me, almost to the point where it got like annoying to me because they're like, it's going to work. It's going to work Just stay positive. It's going to work. And it's like, what else do you say in that point? Because they knew how hard we were trying. I mean, they were never like, oh, I'm sad that I'm not going to have a grandkid or whatever. My husband's a big Italian family. So I think they were sort of like, we're, we're cool if you guys don't have kids. Like they never brought it up. <laughs> like there's just so many grandkids in the family already. So it didn't matter. Oh. <laughs> yeah. My family, there actually weren't any grandkids. I was, my, I, my son was going to be the first. So, you know, I think that whether my mom admits to it or not, there was definitely probably a grieving period for her as well with the idea mm-hmm. of like, her daughter's not going to have kids. Because that's, mm-hmm. again, just a societal expectation. And for a while, I felt like I owed that to her and I owed it to the family. But I realized, again, like that's not my life. My life is not meant to make others happy. It's not meant to fulfill other people's wishes and needs. And I think a lot of times that that saying right there is viewed as selfish, but if, if no one else is going to put me first, you know, I got to do it. So <laughs> it's funny if I talk to people that were, I think the first thing you said was child free by choice was mm-hmm. your first. And so people that are child free by choice, I've heard them say, oh no, I'm, I'm too selfish to have kids. And, you know, it was funny cause I was talking with a colleague years ago and, um, and he actually, they were child free by choice, I believe. And he said, um, it's actually it's actually selfish for people to have kids too. Like it was almost like trying to desensitize me to the word sensitive or the word selfish. Right. You know, we do things for our life for ourselves. I mean, having kids any way you go about having them is because for you, for your life story, you know, so it's not a bad thing. I don't, I don't think sometimes we get, you know, people, when people use that word selfish, if we kind of dissect it a bit, we cannot be so reactive to it, you know, because having kids can be seen as selfish too, you know? And so it's just, it's no, I don't, I don't know why I even got off on a tangent on this right now. <laughs> like you said something that it seemed to make sense and now I lost my train no, of thought. No, <laughs> it is, that is sort of true. Selfish is, is, you know, again, the connotation behind it is negative. But honestly, I feel like it depends on the situation, right? If you're talking to somebody that you don't know and you just want to shut the conversation down, having a having a quick response, a canned response of "I'm too selfish to have kids," just shuts it down. You don't have to. They don't want to talk to you anymore, so it's okay, okay. you yeah. know, right? Like yeah. maybe the maybe the conversation isn't worth the the fifty thousand reasons that you've already come to a conclusion why you didn't want to have kids in the first place. Sometimes I don't. I just don't even have a response that's like full of empathy or whatever, because I don't want to have to then explain to my, to some random stranger that I'll never speak to again about why we didn't want to adopt and why we didn't want to keep going. And you don't owe it to them. Their curiosity doesn't need to be satisfied at your expense. That's for sure. That sort of, that sort of conversation is definitely um, tailored depending on who you're talking to. If it's someone you love and respect, then fine. Maybe they owe you, you owe them, you know, a deeper conversation if you have the time and energy to do it. But I tell you where I'm coming from with this and I'm, I'm not sure if I'll keep this in, but somebody reached out to me that had chose donor conception and they were really upset because someone said in the, in a, in a large, big post, why don't you just adopt? It's, isn't it selfish? And this person was really, really upset. And, you know, and I I can see why, I mean, that's a very judgmental thing to say, but ultimately 
Adoption could be seen as selfish too. Having kids anyway can be seen as selfish. I mean, we sometimes people adopt because they want to feel good about them. You know, I mean, like there's so many different, and this is probably too sensitive to actually air, but that's where I was coming from is that this word that when people say that, well, I don't have ch- children because we're too selfish. Sometimes I'm looking at them going, no, you're actually wise because if you really didn't want kids, then why bring them in and, you know, not really be interested in parenting them, you know? So I don't see it as selfish at all, but I, I almost, I almost applaud them as long as they're not dicks about me too. it, right? Because yeah, they, they knew yeah. what they wanted from the get go and they stuck to it. Cool. That's like, right. And exactly. I totally feel the same way. And I have people say, you know, I don't want to adopt. And I'm like, you know what? I applaud you for knowing that and not doing it because if you don't want to, don't, because it's freaking hard, you know, and it, it, you wouldn't serve anybody, you know, yourself mostly if you did something that would make you, that you know, you're not equipped for, you don't want to do it. It's a personal choice. It, it really is a personal choice. It's not fair to compare stories. It's just not. Well, it's, no. And that's what it comes down to is, is it becomes a blame game, a comparison game, uh, uh, I'm not in the right headspace, so I'm going to project game. It's just not worth it. And that 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 right there is literally why we started our summit is because all it is is comparison these days. So we're just trying to be like, hey, do you, did you forget we're all having trouble to conceive? That's why we're all here, oh. you know? Well, tell me about that. Yeah, tell me about the summit. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah, that was actually the first endeavor after after kind of moving away from child-free. I mean, I've got a, I've got a full-time job just sidebar, just I'm a human resource professional, but I met Lindsay Fisher through Instagram. We'd never met in real life and we got to talking and one thing led to another and what was supposed to be like a quiet dinner with some people meeting through the internet turned into our first summit last year where we hosted 150 people. Holy, no way. Yeah. Wow. So then we actually became a full-blown company in Fertile AF LLC. So we're actually gearing up for a second summit this April in Chicago. Oh, wait. So you're in part of Infertile AF? No, that is a unfortunate coincidence, but not unfortunate in terms of what she's doing. Allie is amazing. Allie does great work. Allie started her podcast literally a month after we started Infertile AF, the summit. So oh, wow. she just has, happens to have the same company name. <laughs> So everyone sort of thinks we're all connected. I've, I've never talked to Ellie. I've never met her or anything. So yeah, it's just sort of, but she does, she does, um, she does podcasting. Um, that's her main thing. And we do events. Okay. So, okay. Gotcha. So okay. we do summits. Like I said, we do an annual summit every year in Chicago. And then we do what we call the, an immersion experience. So we, we take a small group of women for a long weekend all over the US, like one time a year. And we just dive into like the mental wellness aspect of their infertility and sort of like give them an opportunity to bond. Um, our first one was we did in Sedona, Arizona last September. We ended up with 10 total women and they are still texting each other like crazy on a daily basis. Mm, Like they are like lifelong friends now because of it. It's awesome. Yeah. Wow. And it's an all day event. One, is it one day or two days? The summit this year, um, last year it was just one day event. The the annual summit in Chicago is now going to be a one and a half day event. So it's April 17th and 18th. It's at a convention center right outside of Chicago. We have nine patient speakers, meaning they're all hand-plucked from our community. So 
they're not like professional celebrities or anything. They're real people with real stories in our real community. And they're, they're all over the place. They talk about grief, loss, IVF, donor egg, surrogacy, child-free. We try to include a little bit of everything every year. And we host, um, you know, all the normal like vendors and sponsors and, and we do breakout sessions. That's a huge undertaking. Yeah. So it's just me and Lindsay rocking it. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. How, how long does that take you to plan? Is that like a year of planning or more? You know, after doing this, we, we planned the first summit in 87 days. Um, so it's doable in 87 days, although that almost killed us. Mm, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so this year we gave ourselves, we started almost immediately after the first summit. But I will be honest with you, all the details are starting to come together at about the same timeline. So it's about a four-month like headstrong game to get the summit together. That's amazing. I that was a whole aspect I missed. I remember seeing that the summit, but I didn't know what it was. So that is so great. So that's going to be great because this will come out and people can listen, hear about it, and then maybe go out and grab a ticket. Where do they go to get a ticket or get more information? Everything's on our website. It's infertileaf.org, all one word. And on the main page, there's links to all the tickets and information. Um, there's general admission tickets, and then there's add-on. Uh, there's a VIP private dinner in addition to the general admission ticket that they can get. But the great part is we set up a Facebook page ahead of time, just like we did last year, where those that are nervous to attend either solo or just travel in general, they all get to sort of meet up ahead of time virtually and make their connections. And it's just, it's rocking and rolling over there. So it's a private Facebook page that, you know, it, not anyone can join, just the people that are attending. It sort of is like a, a club, you know, in a way. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. That's really cool. Well, I can't wait to share this and share your podcast. Is there anything that you think that we haven't talked about or covered that you would like to share or mention? My coaching website for child-free coaching or just working through the muck coaching, I, I handle all aspects, is Ms. M-S, T-I-A, Gendusa, G-E-N-D-U-S-A.com. And that's the same as my Instagram handle. Follow Tia on Instagram. She posts great information, really encouraging. I've been telling lots of people about you that come to me to say, you know, how, how can I deal with this aspect? How can I move forward? How, what is my life going to look like? And I direct them to you because I want them to see a real person you know, that's rocking it and living it and happy. And that's so important. Awesome. Thanks for joining today. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I had a great time. Thanks for listening. If you would like to follow me for more content, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Jana Rupnow LPC. And you can also grab a copy of my book, Three Makes Baby, on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and Target.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and rate it and share it with a friend if you like it. Have a great day.